Welcome to She Vet Talks with career strategist and job creator, Sister Soldier. Now, you can have the blueprint for success in your career. Listen in to interviews with those willing to share their own strategies, processes, and challenges to help you create a plan for your own success. And now, your host, Sista Soldier. Hey there, it's Sista. It takes a lifetime for most people to understand financial cycles, obtain financial freedom, or learn how to create habits that will change their financial outlook, not only for their immediate family, but for generational wealth. LaShawn Holland has helped thousands of individuals and ministries discover ways to create a new financial blueprint. She's known as the Queen of Green, and she can always be found teaching others how to create a vision for their finances during sessions in her Money School broadcast. This session was pre-recorded from our television show, She Vet Inspires. If you'd like the mastery notes from this segment, text NAVIGATE. That's November, Alpha, Victor, India, Golf, Alpha, Tango, Echo, to the number 240-623-5777, or visit shevetinspires.com backslash NAVIGATE. Now you're invited to listen in on our conversation. Want to know more about avoiding transitional mistakes during your military transition? Text MISTAKE. That's Mike, India, Sierra, Tango, Alpha, Kilo, Echo to the number 240-623-5777 and download your free copy of the 10 most overlooked mistakes when transitioning from the military. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Thank I you so am, much for having me. I am doing so well and I am elated of our opportunity to be able to just sit and talk. You often talk about your big why. You talk about your children is your big why and how having them have changed your life. Can you share with me and the audience a little bit about your why? Yeah, so um, going on about 24 years now, I remember I was um, a senior in college and I, I got married very early and I was pregnant with my oldest son. And I remember uh, one night I was studying and I stopped and I was sitting in his nursery we had prepared for him and I was about eight and a half months pregnant. Um, and I just remember thinking that I didn't want my child to start from ground zero, that I wanted him to have the advantage in life. And so I wanted him to have a very life, a very different life than what I had growing up. And I just became very emotional and I knew I had to make some decisions because at that time we were struggling. I mean, we were, I was still in college. My, I didn't work a, a job, but my husband at that time was working two jobs. And so I made a decision then that I wanted to create a very different life for him. And so you know, he, at that time, I didn't have, I have three children now. Mm -hmm. At that time, he was my oldest, my firstborn. And so I made a decision then that I was gonna be committed to doing whatever I had to do to be able to provide a better life for him. 
He became my wife, then my other two children were born, and they just kept me going with the vision. And, you know, almost 25 years later, for me, my why really has shifted to incorporate people. Mm. You know, it becomes bigger than what you can see. Yeah. And that's what it's morphed into. Yeah. yeah. So starting out, when you, when you had your, your children and your son, I remember you talking about, and in your book, Born to Multiply, Born you to talk multiply. about how something shifted in you. Give me a little bit of that experience of what shifted when you started getting emotional and you saw that you really wanted to do something different yeah. to provide differently for your family. Really, honestly, I think when I look back at being hindsight now, it was my calling just started to just nag at me. Mm. And, you know, and, and I just had a very, um, an intense uneasiness and I really couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that I had to do something different. Like I knew better was available. I just didn't know how, if that makes sense. And so um, the shift happened to me when I just started doing a lot of reading and researching like, here's where I am. And I realized that there's a gap between where I am and where I really wanna be in life. What can help build that bridge to get me there? And so I just started attending a lot of conferences and doing a lot of research myself and and um, that really is what shifted in me when I began to get exposure. Mm. Um, the exposure shifted me. So exactly where were you? I wasn't in a state of complacency, I can tell you that. Like I said, I knew better was available. I just didn't know how. And I remember once my pastor said to me, we were walking down the hall and he says, LaShawn, when better is available, good is not enough. And that just hit me right where I was. And I realized that I had to do something to go after the better. And so if I didn't want my children to um, have to take out student loans to attend college, I had to start planning at that moment, not wait till they got uh, to become a senior in high school to figure out what I was gonna do with their college tuition. And so I had to just do things differently. I began to get uncomfortable with debt so I knew I had to be able to get out of debt so I could take my money and start investing it. And so I just really started, I was in a place of extreme learning mm. and, you know, and educating myself. And I think um, oftentimes I tell people, you have to make sure that you stay in motion because when you're in motion, I believe God sends people in your path. Um, I started meeting people who were not only doing real estate, but they were buying real assets like gold and silver. And it was just something that was totally different than anybody that I was around. They yeah. just weren't doing those things. Yeah. You mentioned the state that you were in and when you shifted from that, but how was life for you before you started getting, becoming awakened? to everything that was available oh, to you? It was very tight. I often tell people I had more month than I had money. Mm. And so it was, it was tight, it was stressful. I was, in, I was in college and I had done something that was, wasn't too smart. 
Um, I had always said for my classes, the harder classes, I'll take it next semester, I'll take it next semester. My next semester ended up being my final semester. So here <laughs> I am, you know, I'm 22 years old. I'm taking 23 credit hours, you know, in one semester. I'm eight and a half months pregnant. You know, I'm married. My husband was working two jobs. We were very involved in our church. We were over our team ministry at the time at our church. And so it was just, it was a stressful time. You know, we both, he only got paid once a month. So I had to be extremely creative and figure out how to make that paycheck last, you know, and, and pay all of our bills and stuff. So it was, I felt like, um, well, I think this is what you're looking for. I felt like I was financially suffocating, mm. like I couldn't breathe. Mm. That's what I felt like. Yeah. You took a lot of stepping outside of the box. Yeah. Because I'm sure that there were naysayers and people were telling you. I still have naysayers. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? <laughs> they don't matter, yeah. you know? You, right. you often talk about your grandfather. Yes. So tell me what, what role did he play? It seems as if he played a really significant role in molding you for your future. He did. My grandfather, my mom was a teen mom when she had me, and so was my father. My mom was 16. When I was born, my biological father was 18 years old. And for the first 13 years of my life, my grandparents raised me. And so he was the first African-American that I had seen that, you know, had built his house debt-free. Um, everything he did was debt-free. He was an entrepreneur. He was a janitor, but he was also an entrepreneur. And so I just saw, you know, he would take time with me when he was fishing. I would go with him and, you know, he would sit and talk to me. And a lot of my foundational financial principles came from my grandfather. And so he would always talk to me about the importance of um, saving money and the difference between a fool and his money and a smart person and what they do. And, um, how a smart person have something le always have something left over, mm -hmm. and so a lot of the foundational stuff that I learned um, about money and about vision. He was huge on vision. He was one of the, I guess, he was just such a dreamer, you know, and a goal setter. When he passed away, I I didn't know that he had financed a lot of the African American baseball leagues. A lot oh, wow. of the, on the East Coast, the baseball fields that African-Americans that the league played on, my grandfather loaned them money to be able to start. And so oh, wow. he kept a log. We found just books and books of him loaning people money for different things, business ventures. And my grandfather had a sixth grade education. Wow. And so he had to drop out of school when he was in the sixth grade and go work at what they call the CC, CCC camps and he would send the money back home to his mom. And so he was always very, very money wise wow. with his money. And so he was the first janitor that I know that had almost $200,000 in his bank account. And so wow. he, he was very, very wise with his money. And, I, and so I see how those traits were transferred to you because yeah. you obviously paid a lot of attention to what he was saying. And I think that it's important to to point out that um, most of the time 
we don't really like to sit at the feet of our elders. Yeah. But that's where the knowledge is at. That's where the knowledge is. That's where the is. knowledge comes from. And I, from. I was always just so different from my cousins. I had a lot of cousins and I was never athletically inclined. And so they were always outside playing baseball or kickball and nobody ever wanted me to be on their team. <laughs> and so, and well, so, it like you got the larger end of the stick. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, but, and so I was always with my grandparents, you know, and they were my number number one supporters. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot from the things that they didn't say also, you know, and I just, they taught me by how they lived their lives. Mm -hmm. And so I can close my eyes today and see at talent shows, I see their faces, you know, I used to play soccer and um, I would, I could still close my eyes and see them on the side of the soccer field cheering me on. And so, you know, they were my greatest supporter. And he talked a lot about being able to think for yourself and being an individual and not paying attention to what people say you can't do, how important education is. Every single night when my grandmother cooked dinner, after dinner, everybody had to have a book or something to read in their hands. Wow. And so I remember going off to college and coming back home asking him, why did he make me read so much? And he was like, because I felt like knowledge is something that no one can ever take away from you. Mm. And so this is a man that was born in 1918. And so, you know, he taught, he watched me live and have the opportunities that he was never able to have, but he laid the foundation and he knelt down and allowed me to step on his shoulders, yeah. essentially is what he did through his wisdom. And so he really did help accelerate. There are a lot of things that I didn't get into because I had the teachings of my mm. grandfather. Yeah. 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 So we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. I am sitting here with Miss LaShawn Holland of Born to Multiply. You don't want to miss the rest of this segment. We'll see you in a minute. She Bet Inspires has partnered with America's Heroes Group to create a platform for your voice, announcing She Voices a medium for women who served in the military to share their thoughts, concerns, and creative flow through television, radio, and print. Connect with the community of women and providers who stand for your pursuit of happiness and finding your voice. We are back. I'm your host, career strategist and job creator, Sister Soldier, and you're watching She Bet Inspires. My guest today is LaShawn Holland of Born to Multiply, the author and founder of Born to Multiply. Your big why with your three beautiful children of whom I absolutely adore. I just really am, I've learned so much of, by watching the two of you raise your children and you publicly raise them so that others can see. And I think that that has been an enormous gift mm -hmm. to many people who have watched and followed and seen their progress and their uh, successes. And they've been on Jet Magazine, Ebony Magazine, Black Enterprise, and just, just growth, yes. growth consistently. You've instilled those principles in them and it's obvious. Can you share with us how the two of you feel that it's important for them to be able to understand the market yeah. and being able to flourish? Yeah. 
You know, we, we honestly didn't think we were doing anything that was special or out of the ordinary. We, you know, we had an, one specific instruction. When I was pregnant, my husband came home. He said the Lord spoke to him about my son Adam specifically, what to name him, how he was starting a new generation. And he gave him a simple instruction. He says, how I parent you is how you're to parent your kids. Mm -hmm. And so we try to really um, stick with that and who you see us be, that's literally who we are at home. We talk a lot, but they've, they've come up. We didn't use our kids as an excuse of why we couldn't do business or get started in real estate. I'll often tell um, families how we started out playing Monopoly with my kids to teach them life lessons. Mm. And one of the reasons we played Monopoly is I read a book by Robert Kiyosaki um, called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And we thought that was a great idea. And so when we were riding out on Sundays after church looking for properties, we didn't want them in the car complaining about them being in the car. And so what we decided to do was start playing Monopoly with them. And when we would go out, we would say, hey guys, we're looking for, you know, four greenhouses so we can buy a big red hotel. Mm. And they would get excited and we've always involved them in what we were doing, whether we were meeting with our real estate attorney or contractors, they were always right there with us. And so it was easy when they decided that they wanted to do business. Um, it just came natural for them yeah. because and everybody has a part. And I think it's very important that you instill vision in your kids. We still do it to this day, every single January, from the time that they could write their name, we would sit them down every January and we would write, each person is responsible for writing out a vision for their life for that year mm -hmm. of something that they want to accomplish. And then we will all hold each other accountable and so they can make sure that they reach that goal during the year. And so I think it's important that you know, you just have a small window of time with your children. Mm -hmm. And so the, I remember the day I brought Adam home from the hospital, my grandfather was holding him in his arms. And he says, LaShawn, you can't raise children by absenteeism. You have to be present. And so our number one priority was to make sure that we were very present parents. Mm -hmm. You know, I did, if they had a game, I never took a job that restricted me from being able to support my kids. I tried to be at absolutely every single game, every play, everything that they were doing, I wanted to be present because I understood that my uh, time of influence yeah. was just a window you know, and most people think, well, they're at home for 18 or 21 years. That's still a small, window, a small window compared to just life. And so I wanted to be my children's greatest influence. And so that is really what inspired us. We're a very, very close family. As you can see, my sons now are six, five and a half and six, five. <laughs> And sometimes giants, it's, yeah, they're giants and they still <laughs> climb in the bed together. Oh, I mean, wow. and they talk, you know, same thing with my daughter. My daughter's the youngest. She's 19. She's extremely close with both of her brothers. And so we wanted to cultivate that closeness with them. We never allowed our kids to fight growing up. Of course, they had disagreements, um, but they had before they went to bed, they had to make up, they had to hug and they mm. had to tell their sibling that they loved them. If we could all just get that yeah. You know, that that understanding that 
to not go to bed with wrath yeah. and to love our siblings. Yes. Just think of how the world would be changed. Yes. yes. Wow. That's important. But we were very strategic even in that because I don't come from a family where they were extremely close. My, my grandfather actually watched his father be murdered by his brother. Mm. And so, and he never served any time for it. And it, I just felt like it was just a generational curse. My grandfather weren't close with any of his siblings. And so I knew my mom wasn't necessarily close with her siblings. I knew when I had children that I wanted a different um, environment for my kids. And so we cultivated what we desired. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Those are some really um, just like, molding type of principles to yeah. just have in the home. Yeah. So for, for most people, and I'm speaking of people who are in the military, where we travel a lot and we have to be mobile a mm -hmm. lot, it's kind of putting something like that in place can kind of take off, you know, take you off stroke structure or something like that. And I think that by hearing you being determined yeah. and to to say that this is this was our rule and laying that down and, and being intentional about it yeah. is what makes the difference. Yeah, we created a Holland Creed for my children. I would tape, oh my it, goodness. tape it on their mirrors <laughs> so when they would brush their teeth in the morning, you know, they would see it. And so, wow. you know, oftentimes I say, I would tell them we're Holland, you know, and they begin to just believe that. Um, I want to say maybe two years ago or mm. a year or so ago, my daughter is extremely compassionate and um, she loves helping people. And she wanted to help raise money for a little boy whose parents couldn't um, go to Georgia with him for treatment. He had cancer. And she was like, Mom, I couldn't imagine if you weren't with me, if I was going through something like yeah. that. So she set out to raise. She came home. I was sitting in my office and she says, I want to raise $100,000. And I looked at her and I'm thinking, I've worked on capital campaigns at my church. And I'm thinking to myself, you know how hard it is to get people to get, and you have, she set a goal within six weeks. And so within six weeks, she was able to raise $98,000. And she didn't want me to give her anything wow. for, you know, this particular um, family. And so I was just very proud because my kids tend to just do what they've seen us do, you know? And they, I think they have just taken it to another level. Yeah, they really have. They have <laughs> just like, it's, it's like when you watch them in action, yeah. it's just like, who is that? You can't help but notice yeah. and want to know more. But that's what we want our kids to do. We yeah. want them to grow up to be greater you know, and achieve more and just be better people in society, or at least we should want our kids yeah. that way. And so I was always mindful, even when my sons were little, one day they're gonna be somebody's husband. I don't want her looking at me like I was crazy because my sons are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Uh, one day my daughter's gonna be somebody's wife. What kind of wife will she be? And so I don't believe that you plan your future when you get there. I believe that whoever I want to be in my tomorrow, I start working on that person today. Mm. And that's exactly how I raise my kids the same way. And that talks about the mindset. Yes. That's the mindset. Most so definitely. We're definitely going to get into that yes. in our second segment. But yes. I, wanna, I want to um, really uh, talk about your children a little more mm -hmm. because when I see how they have grown up with the principles of 
not only fearing God, mm -hmm. but love, yeah. the love that your home has in it, is just, it's, it's, it's contagious. Yeah. And it, it really, I see how, um, how Jonathan was on the football team and all the boys would come and be around and how when Zoe would be at school and all the girls would come, it's a place of comfort, you know, yeah. your home is a place my, of love. My home is always full of, <laughs> full of my kids' friends. I'm thinking, do you, sometimes I do think, do you guys have a home? Like, <laughs> we, every single week. Wow, we have somebody, every week. Every single week, we wow. have someone at our house that's either on the couch or, wow. you know, Jonathan would ask if one person could come home and I'll sit and then I'll start seeing four and five pair of legs come through. I'm like, Jonathan, you said one And then you have to cook. And then I have to cook and he brings <laughs> home linebackers I'm like don't you have skinny people on the football team bring bring them home bring home the skinny people no wow. but it is but we had a years ago we had a guy we were in St. Croix and we had a man and I don't even think he would knew he was teaching us because he was really drunk mm. but he was talking to us and he says do you guys have kids and we said yes and he says always make sure that your house is the funnest house on the block mm. that way everybody will want to come to your home and he says then you know what they're doing. You know what your kids are doing. You have the opportunity to influence them. And so that's what we've done. I mean, Jonathan has friends that have gone on to be in the NFL wow. that still send me text messages. You know, they call, my son, his nickname is Hollywood. And so they call me Mama Hollywood. And they're like, you know, we have an opportunity to do this investment. I don't understand it. Can you explain it to me? What do you think about this? I mean, they, and, and some of them have gone to other schools and they send me their game schedule because they really do think, you know, yeah. that we're their alternative parents. Like we're going to fly all over the nation yeah. to see them. But wow, we cultivated that in our home and our kids just, they love being at home. And so they bring their friends home because it's a place that they love. Yeah. yeah. You talk about investments mm -hmm. that, that brings up Adam. <laughs> yes. That brings up Adam and to see him uh, just really just get into that. And it looks to me as if he's teaching everyone in the family yeah. how to move forward in that area. Well, no, not really. Um, he has taken a segment of investing mm -hmm. that he fell in love with. And so how that came about, I have been teaching on cycle market investing for a very long time. And I guess the love of it happened mm. with Adam when he was in middle school. And so I was always teaching my kids, every time they wanted to go to the ice cream man, I would point out, you're his asset, he's your liability. Mm. What does that mean? An asset is something that puts food on your table, a liability is something that takes food off of your table. And so I was always teaching, and I remember specifically, Adam wanted a pair of Michael Jordan tennis shoes. And I thought they were outrageously priced. They were $380. And I said, there is nothing in me that's going to pay $380 for a pair of tennis shoes. And so my husband and I used to own, we um, had a license deal with an urban clothing line that did overseas manufacturing. So I knew the cost of producing that one shoe mm. was anywhere between $350 to $7. Mm. I'm not spending $380 wow. on it. And so I said, I'll give you X amount and you come up with the rest, which is what he did. Essentially, he bought it. I said, if you're going to spend that much money on a shoe, at least collect dividends from it. Mm. And so I think he was in the fifth or sixth grade when he started buying, he took his birthday money and he bought his first stock in Nike. 
And I think when he would started getting the checks every quarter, the dividend checks that would come back to him, he was like, hey, you mean I could put money in something one time and continue to get paid from it? So I think that's when his love of investing started. Mm. But I've been teaching cycle market investing for a very long time. And so, and I teach on all of the asset classes. And Adam just found his niche. And so I think two years ago or a year ago, he wanted to fly to California to, uh, for his birthday, to be with some friends. And I said, okay, this is what I'm, I'm gonna present to you. I will pay for you to take an options trading class or I'll give you money to go to California, but I'm not gonna give you both. Mm. You choose what you wanna do. Wow. And so I gave him a day to think about it and he came back and he was like, It's a no brainer. I'm going to the options trading <laughs> class. He's That's like, a no brainer. I'll catch them later on. Yeah. And so um, I made the investment. It was about almost a $30,000 investment. And he just, it, he found his, his lane. Like wow. he's doing amazing. Just yesterday when the market dropped 800 points, we had our you know, biggest fall that we've had in 2019 so far. And, you know, I go home and we made 200% yesterday in the market. So we were really, we were really excited. (laughs) And so it was important for me that they understood how to prosper in any economy. You've been watching Miss LaShawn Holland of Born to Multiply. Next week, we'll be having more. So make sure you tune in. We'll talk to you later. Deuces. If you'd like the mastery notes from this segment, text NAVIGATE. That's November Alpha, Victor, India, Golf, Alpha, Tango, Echo to the number 240-623-5777 or visit shevetinspires.com backslash NAVIGATE. Interested in advertising on our television show or podcast in the SheVet Network and accessing over 4.2 million viewers or listeners? Text advertise. That's Alpha, Delta, Victor, Echo, Romeo, Tango, India, Sierra, Echo to the number 240-623-5777. Thanks for listening to SheVet Talks. If you like what you heard, check out our master classes at SheVetInc.com or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at SheVetInc. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss a single episode.